0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Cross the Crown podcast. We are on YouTube as well, if you want to check us out. But Josh Copen, Doug Gooden, and uh, this week we're going to continue our series through Romans. We're looking at Romans 5, 6, and yes, of course, 7. Does it really say that you do what you don't want to do and don't do what you want to do and all that stuff? And what does that mean about the Christian ethic? Anyway, we will... We will address that next week and maybe probably multiple weeks. But uh, (laughs) if you're watching on YouTube, uh, but you're not subscribing, please subscribe. And hey, thank you. We've crossed a thousand subscribers. That's great. We're very excited about that, which might be a little annoying to some because now ads pop up before we come on. So... Anyway, but thank you uh, for subscribing. Please, please do that. And um, Doug, also, we don't want to forget to mention before we get to uh, Romans 6 today, is that the New Covenant School of Theology is still online. You can get more in-depth stuff than what we talk here. And even the daily Bible study you're doing, that is, uh, if people are missing it when it's live, it's no big deal because you upload it to YouTube and podcast forms. So people can come back and listen. Still going through Ecclesiastes?
1: Ecclesiastes, chapter 5 this morning.
0: Okay, great. And uh, you're doing a good job, I think, of laying it out. This isn't to puff you up or anything, but you're doing a good job of laying out that it isn't the depressing book we make it out to be sometimes. you know, hmm. A lot of wisdom comes from, from that book because it's part wisdom literature. So please check that out. And it's um, time-wise, if they want to catch it live, they can ask you questions. Uh, why don't you go ahead and say when they can do all that?
1: So we meet live on YouTube, as you said, 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time, which at least for a few more days, uh, I guess we're on daylight. I don't know how that yeah. works. I need to look into that. Anyway, 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time, and uh, you can catch me live and join me in the chat, and I'll answer questions that, that way, or you can put some questions in the comments if you want to, and we'll get back to you if you have to watch it uh, later on.
0: Yeah, 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time would be 6.30 Pacific, 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern. There you go. Later on.
1: Four different (laughs) times,
0: I think. All right, so, Doug, uh, Romans 6. A couple years ago at a conference called PorchCon in Phoenix, you were a speaker. I was there. I think it was the first time we met, and your life has been regrettable ever since, I'm sure. (laughs) But you said something that I think all of us, every single person, even us New Covenant antinomians, hashtag joking, kind (laughs) of turned our head and went, what? Now, you explained it, but it was a very provocative statement, and that is... A Christian, if I'm even summarizing it wrong, you have the choice never to sin again.
1: I did, did you say, say that. that, yes or no? Yes, I did. I stand okay. by my words.
0: Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read my Bible mostly from cover to cover. May have skipped over Obadiah at some point, whatever. But first John says, if you do not sin, you call him a liar. So, in what context? As uh, Jeff Folker would say, in what sense do you mean you can choose not to sin again?
1: Yes, and I'm going to hasten to qualify here, uh, though I will try to show you from Romans 6 that you do not have to sin again. I have never met anybody that has gone through long periods of time without sinning, nor have I gone through long periods of time without sinning. So I think that amplifies uh, our weakness and the fact that we don't live in the freedom Christ has purchased for us completely. Uh, but we could. Theoretically, we could, and we should be striving for that. We we believe in sanctification, right? We believe in the Holy Spirit who is sanctifying us and is making us more like Christ. That's not just some uh, doctrinal statement and platitude. But yes, John says that, but you also, we should do a series on First John sometime because he's got a context there. Uh, Paul here has his context, and that's what we're going to look at, but I will stand by it. Here, I'll say it again. You, Josh Copen, you do not have to sin the rest of this day. Now, you might, you probably will, and I will too, but we don't have to, and I'll try to show that from Romans here.
0: Okay, um, should I wait to ask this question, or I'll just go ahead and put it out there, and then you can address it as it comes, and that is, boy, that sounds a little bit like Gnosticism in a sense. So, if you want to address that now, or wait till you get to it and go, I don't mean Gnosticism, here's the context. you just want to start, we're going to uh, quickly but thoroughly go through the exegetical chapter six so, yep let's
1: just jump dive into jump the, in it. Section. Yep. yep all right so chapter six of Romans and I've pulled it up here for anybody who is uh with us uh YouTube and uh, anybody who is at home listening on podcast forms or whatever you'll have you're
0: to... using the nasB correct
1: I am yes okay so he begins chapter six with this rhetorical question what Shall we say then, are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Now we need to catch up the context and I'm not going to rehearse everything in chapter five because we covered that last time. People can go back and check uh, episode 102 for that, but he does, he is continuing on with his argument. So this rhetorical question, should we continue or are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase is following on what he said at the end of chapter five. Pretty astounding here. Chapter five, verse 20 says the law, that's the Mosaic law, it came in, came into the world, God gave the law to Israel, so that the transgression would increase. Now, we stress this, but it's worth repeating. That's that's mind boggling. We think of laws as given to stop sin to give us what is righteous so that we won't do it. But in the plan of God, Paul is telling us here, the law actually came in so that the Jews would sin more. That's going to be important next time when we get into chapter 7. It's crucial to get that. So I'll repeat it again then when we get there. Mm -hmm. Okay, but where sin increased as the Jews continued to sin under the law, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. So Paul uh, is making this strong case that the law came in so so the Jews would sin more, so that grace would reign and that would lead to eternal life. Now, Paul understands what you and I and the Jews would do with a statement like that. Oh, God gave the law so we'd sin more? And that was so that uh, he could show more grace. So we are tempted then to respond and say, great, the more I sin, the more God gets to show us grace. So let's all jump on the sin bandwagon and sin like crazy so God could just dump his grace right. on us, right?
0: Man, there are people who live like that now, aren't there, anyway, even with that hmm. section. Yeah. A hyper grace crowd, for sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and Paul says, no, 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 that's not how it works. Back to chapter 6, verse 1, then. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may increase or abound? And his response, May genoito, in Greek. May it never be. No way. In Spanish, absolutamente no. Whatever. It is an emphatic, no, absolutely not. You cannot continue to sin so that grace may abound. Now, it's crucial to see why he says that. He does not say, you cannot continue to live in sin because that would be awful. You can't continue to live in sin because that would really, really make God mad. He doesn't even say, you can't continue in sin because, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. but <laughs> The reason he says you can't continue in sin is, at the end of verse 2, how shall we who died... To sin, still live in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, do you see how different that is than what we expect? We expect you, him to.
0: I can finish your thought. You can't continue to live in sin because you can't offer your body up uh, as a sacrifice, if you will. Like as he gets to chapter or 12 and 13, right? Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, right? Because if those things keep happening, then you are living as those who are dead, basically. Right. So anyway, I don't know. Maybe I've, I was not helping you made it worse, but whatever.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I think you're, you're, yeah, you're jumping ahead. You know where this yeah. is going. That's good. Yes. You you died to sin. You, Josh Copin are dead to sin. Me, Doug Gooden, I am dead to sin. Mm-hmm. That is why we cannot continue to sin because we're dead to it. So he's describing sin here as this <laughs> realm And sin is like this master that we will see, and we were born in that realm under the control of master sin, and now he's going to tell us, you are dead to that realm under master sin, and therefore you can't live in it. You don't live there anymore. That's not your residence. Maybe you don't know this. He assumes you don't know. Verse 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? So that's what baptism represents. When you were uh, baptized, you were joined to Christ, and his physical death was your spiritual death. You joined him in that death. Now, obviously, you and I haven't physically died like he did. So baptism connects us to Jesus and his death. Then verse four, he draws a conclusion from that. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that... You see all these so that clauses, all these purposes he's saying, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Mm -hmm. So again, his physical death is our spiritual death. His physical resurrection, his bodily resurrection is our spiritual resurrection. So we are united to him in death and resurrection, and that's why we can't Continue in sin because we're dead to that realm. That's huge. Whenever you think of the temptations you have, when you think of the the control that sin used to have over you, you need to remind yourself, "I'm dead to that realm. I don't live there anymore." Right? That's that's astounding. That's 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 one of the glories of being united to Christ. This union with Christ uh, that we like to talk about in Christian circles. Yeah. So, it draws, go ahead.
0: Well, no, I just think that. This is such a beautiful section of scripture as all Romans is for sure, especially for the believer but you think about what he's saying here is you were dead in your sin like as he got in Romans 5, you know the, the beautiful but gods that come in Romans 5 Romans 5 and then you get here and it's like no you you were buried with Christ um, with your baptism, you're raised in newness of life like, And the same power that raised him, I mean, he says that in another book, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, Um, man, if we don't, if we just kind of gloss over that, like, that's a big deal. That's a huge, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And I think people get afraid of that because they're cessationists or whatever, and it scares them, or like me, I'm a cessationist, but my goodness, that's a lot of power. Like mm-hmm. that is divine power that is in you. Like we don't think about the Holy Spirit being in you, is divine power. But we don't want to talk about it in terms like that because we are really scared about what that means.
1: And it also, this context is about sin, and maybe yeah. we not aren't as interested in fighting sin as we should be. Uh, and and you took it the gift, the spiritual gifts route, and all of that. Right. But here the context is that same power that raised him from the dead kills you to the realm of sin Mm -hmm. and raises you to the realm of eternal life that is a huge deal
0: well and it's and it's the opposite too because there are way too many people who just focus on their sin i'm such a horrible sinner oh i was this Mm -hmm. and i was that and yeah but you're not now and so Mm -hmm. you need to focus on who you are now in christ and go i was this Ephesians two doesn't stay in. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. It keeps going. So like, it's one thing to say I I was I was this thing, but I think some people get caught up in what horrible sinners they were. And mm-hmm. we can you will get into this. But how many people think? Um, well, I'm the chief of sinners in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm the chief, and I understand where that comes. It comes from a good place. But I I'm with you. I don't think that's the context where we should draw. I'm just saying, focus on who you are in Christ sometimes rather than. We get it. We're all sinners, Mm you know.
1: And when we get into Romans seven next time, we'll see people use Romans seven to enslave themselves further to sin. To say, "Yeah, I'm not just like Paul. I, I can't stop this." Even Paul couldn't overcome his sin Mm -hmm. all the time. We'll see. That is exactly the opposite of what Paul is saying. So let's get back here. Uh, Paul finishes this point with repetition and emphasis. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, that's the word anthropos here, self is the way it's translated in the NAS, the old man, that that man that was born a slave to sin, that man was crucified with Christ. Why? In order that our body of sin might be done away with or rendered null and void, or destroyed, lots of different ways to translate that word. This body of sin that you and I were born into, when we joined Jesus in baptism, that is through faith, and we'll, we can talk about baptism if, if you want to here, but uh, that's what the term he used, when that, when that body of sin joined him in death, it was destroyed, That body of sin, and I'm stressing that because I'm anticipating where we're going to go in Romans 7, because body of sin is a big deal over there. That body of sin was destroyed so that, look at the end of verse 6, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7, for he who has died is freed from sin. So you die, when you die physically, Josh, you're done sinning, right? Right. right, that's yeah. what we believe. Yes. You're done sinning. Well, you've already died. If you are in Christ, you've already died. So you're that that old enslaved uh, that old slave is dead. He does not have to submit to master sin ever again. You see that? Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. So the context, sense, since you brought up baptism, I've heard people make both arguments. One is literally talking about physical baptism here, and therefore it's a very good argument against. Baptizing your babies in pedo baptism, and others just saying, "Well, no, it's talking about spiritual baptism, right? You've been raised, as we would say, in newness to life in Christ, and so it was a spiritual baptism." What do you? What's your take on this?
1: Well, the reason we have that distinction in our head, the reason we separate the uh, spiritual baptism from the water baptism, is because we tr- we typically separate in time our coming to faith. And getting baptized by water. Uh, you know, most, so many Christians today would say they, they became a Christian, they were young, five or six or seven, if they were uh-huh. raised in the church, that is. Yeah. And uh, and then somewhere 12, 13, 14, 20, whatever, somewhere later, they felt like, okay, I should get baptized, that kind of thing. That is not how baptism is supposed to operate. That's not how they did it in the first uh, century. That's not how Paul did it. And uh, I have a whole sermon on this, I'll uh, I'll link to in the, in the notes for people if they want to watch Good. it. But, it happened then was when you came to faith you were immediately mm-hmm. baptized we think of the uh, the F- F- Philippian jailer right yep. he's Paul's in there singing earthquake comes the jailer's about to kill himself Paul says don't kill yourself we're all here we didn't run off and he preaches the gospel to him and it's in the middle of the night it's like 2 a.m or something and they're they're shocked they're scared they're hungry all those things the very first thing they did, Immediately, when the jailer came to faith, was baptize him.
0: Yeah, well, the so open eunuch too. Like, how about right here, right? So,
1: exactly. So if if faith coming to faith and water baptism happen at the same time as they're supposed to biblically, then to refer to our water baptism as the time that we were joined to Christ and born again and all that, it, it it makes perfect sense because in time, in our experience, those would be the same, but we separate them in time and therefore we think, well, how could we be talking about water baptism?
0: Well, And we're, again, and you're not saying, um, like some do, that you get the Holy Spirit when you are baptized or you, your regeneration happens when you are baptized. Here it just happened to be in this history in this place in time for, especially for first century believers. All right, well, let's do it. Which by the way, I wish more people would encourage. I got a bathtub right here. You want to get baptized? Yes, let's do it. I understand family and all that. And, and it is a big deal. No one's denying that. And I don't want to take that away from you, but I think it says more about where you are in your faith to go. Yes, let's do this right here. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. So I'm not saying, uh, well, you use the words, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon us, and we're mm-hmm. um, we're saved when we are baptized. That's how it should be. I, I do want to qualify: the baptism is not the cause of either of those things. Right? Water baptism doesn't cause you to be forgiven. It doesn't cause the Spirit mm-hmm. to come. But if we did it at the same time as we're supposed to when you come to faith, then to say I received the Holy Spirit when I was baptized would be a, a true statement because that, yeah. that's how it was supposed to work. But yes, okay. the cause is faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not the, the water baptism. Right. That's a good, good uh, little rabbit trail to go down because people do get stuck there in that passage. Wait, is this talking about water baptism? Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's more than that. It, and and water pep- baptism does nothing for you if you don't have genuine faith. So, all let right, right, hey. let's, let's go on through his argument. So verse 8. Yeah. Now, if we have died with Christ, which we have when we come to faith, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. So you see the connection. Slavery to sin... And under slavery to death, those are tied together. That goes back to what we have looked at in chapter 5. Sin entered the world and then death came through sin. Jesus conquered sin. He conquered death. He rose never to die again. You joined Jesus in his death. Uh, You spiritually were raised and you are not a slave to sin or fear of death or any of those things. Why? Verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be what's the next phrase?
0: Dead to sin.
1: Dead to sin. Now did we already agree, see, I led you into a trap. Did I we already that. agree that when you die, Josh Copin, you will no longer sin? Yes. I heard you say it. We got it on, on recording. Yes, got it that's on tape. True. You mm-hmm. said when you die, you will stop sinning.
0: Well, Paul says here, yeah.
1: consider yourself to be dead to sin. Yep.
0: Yeah. And uh, again, I'm following you. I'm agreeing. It, it all ties back into verses, really three, four, and five there with what you're you're talking about, and that is that the old is gone. The new, I mean, we really should. It feels like we should tie this into some of Paul's other writings. And I, I, but like you are a new creation. What does that mean? If the old is gone and the new has come what old has gone and what new has come, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is an important context. And people love to talk about that and then jump to Romans 7 and be like, yeah, well, I still, you know, I still struggle with, and we're not denying there are sin struggles. That isn't what we're saying. The point <laughs> is... Wait, well,
1: let me stop here right there. Why do you feel the need to qualify that right then and there? Why, why'd you do that?
0: Because that is where that will go. I just know people. It is we live in the social media. Well, actually, like it's like <laughs> you could post a proverb, and someone like about "Don't spare the rod." Someone like I know someone up who grew in a drug-addled home. They're the sweetest, nicest, most disciplined kid you've ever meet. Of right. course, but a general truth here, and so that's why because you get the actually people, and uh-huh. so yes, it's not. That's why I went down there.
1: But yeah, it's I, really I know. Really frustrating. But, but we are. What is it? About Christianity. What is it about us that really is afraid? Where we are so hesitant to actually let this say what it says, that we are dead to sin. What what is it that causes us to quickly say, now we're not saying
0: right. that you never well, are tempted and never sin? Yeah. No, I agree, but that was where I was going. Like when it says the Lord will not tempt you, um, it means you will never be in a situation where you have to choose sin or sin. And I think that is important context, which means you have the choice in every moment to go honor Christ or choose myself. You know, Romans 14, anything not of faith is sin, which means Mm -hmm. you do have the choice if you are saved to not sin in that moment, which would go to your point, which goes to Paul's point here, (laughs) that you do have the ability to not sin. Uh Does that make sense?
1: Yes, and there's also that, what you brought up at the very beginning, are we Gnostics here? Yeah. Are we separating the body and the spirit and all of that? And we don't want to be accused of being um, that that second tier, that mm-hmm. that second level sort of hyper-Pentecostalism or Wesleyanism. I don't believe that. The second blessing, folks, that say you, are, you can be transformed or mm-hmm. transported, rather, catapulted to this higher level of sanctification where you never sin again— you know, the followers of Wesley got there. And, mm-hmm. and no, that is not what we're saying. I don't believe that for a second. This is not a, a an experience that you have later in your Christian life where suddenly the Spirit comes on you, and you are now holy, and you can't and don't sin. That's not what we're talking about. And so there is a, a good theological reason to qualify this and be careful with it. But right. let's not let the abuses that occur cause us to say— um, to discount what Paul's saying here.
0: Well, it, yeah, because I think as you say it like that, certainly the, the, um is it Patterson? Who's the, the crazy guy? Um, anyway, the, but a word of faith kind of movement stuff could kind of mm-hmm. creep in. And I think that's why we're trying to be biblical here versus what they would do.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm repudiating all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm denying all the word of faith, all the second yep. blessing, all the perfectionism stuff. That's not it at all. I still sin. You still sin. I am still tempted to sin. You are still tempted, and we both give in. But we don't have to. Paul says we don't have to. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. Uh, we coming to a before. conference
0: near you, Doug and Joyce Meyer.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> here is the so so. Paul says, verse twelve. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Since you are dead to master sin, do not, it's a command, it's emphatic, do not let sin reign in your body. Again, that's going to be very important to chapter 7. Mm-hmm. The source of our temptation so often is our body. And he says you can master the lusts of your body. You don't have to obey them. That's what he says. And do not, verse 13, do not go on presenting the members of your body as uh, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. That's a conscious thing we do. We give our body, our members of our body to sin and say, here, go ahead, sin, master sin, go ahead and take my body and use it for unrighteousness. Paul says, stop doing that. And you can, because you're freed from that slavery. Instead of that, Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and present your members of your body as instruments of righteousness to God. Make the choice every day. Mm -hmm. Don't give your body to sin. Give it to God in righteousness. Four, and this verse 14 is so important. To look ahead to chapter said. Who's amening me with there? Is that Mary? Who's is that? That
0: is Emma. <laughs> Mary, on the other hand, is really upset with your view. I apologize. <laughs> Normally the kids aren't here, but there was a scheduling conflict issue today and they're a little under the weather. So I have the kiddos in the background. I apologize.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah. Little
1: sinners who yes. need to be freed from slavery to sin.
0: Our lovely little god haters, <laughs> as Pastor Walker would call them. Yeah.
1: Isn't that well? Verse 14 is so important for where we're going in chapter Mm 7. For sin shall not be master over you. Sin is not your master, he's writing to the Roman church. Why? For you are not under law, but under grace. Now, what did he say at the end of chapter 5? Why was the law given?
0: So that sin may increase.
1: The law provoked sin in Israel. Right. You are not under law, Paul writes to these Roman Christians, you're not under the law of Moses. Therefore, sin is not your master. uh, This is so crucial. We'll have to come back to this next week. The law enslaved the Jew and made sin the Jew's master. Mm -hmm. That's what the law did for Israel. You don't want to bring anybody under that law. But getting ahead of myself. He's anticipating where he's going. You're not under law. You're under grace. Therefore, sin is not your master. Verse 15. What shall we say then? Shall we sin because we're not under law? There's your antinomians. You referenced right. that earlier. Hashtag joking. Uh, <laughs> sh- we're not under the law. So shall we just sin? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which results in death, and that would be eternal death. Or you present yourself as slaves to obedience, resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you were slaves of sin, past tense, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed and having been freed from sin. Do you think he's trying to make a point? You have been yep. freed from sin. You became slaves of righteousness. He's put wordplay on slaves there. You want to say you're slaves? Okay, you're slaves. Right. You're not slaves of sin.
0: Which you're goes back to the point from earlier too about like people focus Christians like I'm such a terrible sinner. I'm such a don't really need to talk like that. I know it could sound arrogant. You could be like, I'm a slave of righteousness. Talk yep. like that, you know?
1: That's what the word says. Let's be yeah. faithful people here. So I'm going to skip to verse 20 since we're coming up on time a little bit here. For when you were slaves of sin, past tense, you Mm -hmm. were, before you died in Christ, you were slaves of sin, you were free, cool little play on words there, you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, right? The unbeliever is enslaved to his sin. He can't do something else. He must sin. That's what he does because master sin is his owner, his master. And they are free from the realm of righteousness. Verse 21, therefore, what benefit were you deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? The outcome of those things is death. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in Sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Praise his name. How many times they say here, you're freed, you're freed, you're freed from sin. Mm-hmm. You are enslaved to righteousness, enslaved to God. Do not allow sin to reign in your mortal bodies. Mm. So if you're freed from master sin, stop obeying him. It's well, not
0: yeah, I uh, just it's it's not. Um it's the classic though the Christian life is uh, simple but not easy, you know, uh simple to understand, not easy to accomplish, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And um so I think it, it does that, that rings true. But you should be we should be reading, yeah, everyone loves Romans eight, and I understand why. But man, maybe Romans six should be a little bit more in our view of what a what a chapter, right? Like mm-hmm. we have been Freed from sin, we can, because of God's spirit, he is in us. We can choose in this moment. I can choose not to be annoyed by my children screaming. <laughs> I can choose not to be annoyed by a horrible play called by a football coach. I can I can choose not to be, in more serious, mad at my wife, angry mm-hmm. at, even angry at, I know he can take it. This is one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard. But even angry at God, right? Yes, God can take it. But be careful what happens when you go yell at God. What does he Mm -hmm. tell Job? Man up, gird up your Mm -hmm. loins, because I'm about to undress you anyway. But Mm -hmm. even when we get mad in those situations, we don't have to be. And so Mm -hmm. we can choose, and we should reflect Christ. That's the whole point of this. We are image bearers of God, and then when we're saved, we are image bearers of Christ showing his perfect life. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Why is the church a city on a hill? Because we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to be different. Our churches should be marked by sanctification. And there's a reason, even though you're going to get mad at me for caveating, we don't do it perfectly. <laughs> be holy as I am holy is still a command in the New Testament. We are required to live out a holy life before God. Mm-hmm.
1: And when when we get caught up in all those qualifications, which mm-hmm. there is a place for them. Yes. I there there is a reason, as we said earlier. But when we get into that theological debate, are you really saying we could be perfect? Are you really we're missing the point. Mm-hmm. The point is not to develop some theological conclusion here. The point is purpose today to mm-hmm. live as masters of of righteousness, I mean, slaves of righteousness, not as slaves of sin. You know, I talk to guys all the time who struggle with pornography. They just can't overcome. They just can't. Have... Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. You have the new life in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. You can overcome this. So I I don't, I don't, I never, I always, when I teach on this, I'm intentionally provocative because I want to stir people and get them kind of shaken from their, their normal slumbers here. But at the end of the day, this is not about debating theology. This is about all of us, as you said, being holy as our Father in heaven is holy, striving for righteousness because We we must. We love our Lord. We want to please Him, and we can. And there's grace when we fail. Yeah, that's why He died on the cross, right?
0: The struggle I think people then run into is, okay, they they almost like they're worried they're going to keep a track record of their successes. I didn't look at that today. That's three days in a row, and praise the Lord for that. But I understand the fear of knowing you can get a little pharisaical or. Martin Luther, you know, his quote about, man, I was never more miserable when I was trying to be perfect. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, it's so I understand why people are hesitant to go uh, to go down that road, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and everything can be abused. But oh, if we get this, if we can, mm-hmm. we can strive for righteousness. And next week we get into Romans seven. I mean, it is one of the, the the misunderstanding of Romans seven is one of the things that I think enslaves Christians to sin more than anything else.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because you're right. As you read through Romans 5 and 6, it seems so clear. It's almost Paul's undoing his argument if it's saying what they're saying, it's saying. Right. May we sin so the grace may abound? Well, no. But hey, it's all right if you still do. Uh, well, no, that's not the argument. And to your point about caveating, I, I'm with you. And the one passage, especially I wish pastors wouldn't apologize for, is Ephesians 5, is... Hmm. What first Peter says or Titus says, like if I understand after the fact, maybe go, we're not saying this, we're not saying that, but preach what it says. Paul doesn't caveat any of the roles for men and women and say, we don't say this and we don't say that. And so Hmm. I just wish more people would do that and the church would be better off. Amen. Amen. Yep. All right. Well, as you can tell, things are fully breaking down here in the background. (laughs) So uh, we want to encourage people to check out, like, subscribe, all that stuff on podcasts, on YouTube, new covenant school of theology.org. Uh, What's the next class they can take there?
1: Hebrews, James, First Peter, Second Peter, and Jude. We cover all of those books in four weeks. It's going to be
0: great. Great. And uh, maybe you can talk to some of our theonomy friends about how Hebrews blows that conversation right out of the water. Um and and what a great new covenant book! Just in general, uh, Hebrews is, and why James and Paul don't contradict each other, right? Well, everyone has to talk about that, and okay. so uh, we would encourage people to do that. And the cost is if you are taking classes to be, get the uh, um, to be uh, a certain, Why don't you explain it? Because I'm a little bit <laughs> um, yeah. the
1: credit courses, either mm-hmm. working toward an MDiv or for a, a certificate of biblical theology. Uh, those are t- 250 bucks. A course, not per class, but a course. You can take the entire course for two hundred fifty dollars, or you can audit for fifty dollars.
0: Great, and we've encouraged people. I've taken some, and it's just been, it's been a joy. And and you get, Zoom isn't the church, but you do get the fellowship with people, and you yep. and you make connections, especially if you're traveling. Oh, I'm going to go visit so and so, so that's yep. that's good too. All right, Doug. The whole point, and if ever it was more true, after going through Romans six today. Because I think if you are living intentionally Christ-obsessed in all things, you don't have to sin today. You can choose Christ. And so because of that, I kind of screwed up the ending. But <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> I want you to encourage people to do what?
1: Yeah, to be, as you just said, intentional about being Christ-obsessed in everything.